Hello, and welcome to another episode of an Unexpected Podcast. My name is Tim, and with me as always, we have Matt, Rainier, and Evan. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be going over the new book that just released, uh, The Fall of the Necromancer, as well as going over a list by Boris Mitchell. Um, I'm going to put Boris's uh, list on screen now, but before we do that, actually, uh, as a reminder, we do have a Facebook group now, so if you're interested in joining us there, as well as we post on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you prefer to just listen to the episode rather than watching. So just as a reminder for that, but this is Boris's list. Um, it is the twins. It doesn't say with anything else. I'm just assuming they're plain. Um, one elf with banner and spear. Three elves. Three elves with bow. Two elves with spear and shield. One knight with shield. Aristor, who's the leader, he says. Um, three elves. Two elves with bow. Three elves with spear and shield. One knight with shield. And then Kyrdan with two elves. Two elves with bow and two elves with spear and shield, 28 models, eight bows. Uh, it is a 650-point list, and it's going to be a good versus the evil tournament, and he would like to bring pure Revendell. Uh, he says he hasn't had much success with them yet due to the low model count, and this is the best he was able to come up with. Um, so, I mean, the good thing is, is it's lower points, so the twins will be very good. You have to wonder why... No horses at the minimum. I know it's 20 points, but those two on horses at 650, I feel like would just be devastating at that point. But maybe with the new thing with horses and not wanting to be attacked, but 650 with no magic usually, or very low amounts of magic, you wouldn't really have to worry about that, especially with Kyrdin's blinding light. You wouldn't have to worry about shooting either. Um, it has six... Airstar has two might in the new edition, correct? Um, so eight, and then Kieran has one. So nine might, so good, good amount of might. Um, I'm, I'm tempted to maybe drop one or two models, make sure there's shields on the front rank at least, so then that way you at least have some form of defense sticks. Um, I don't know why you put the shields on the elves with spear, because if you're just going to keep them in the back, at least put the shields on the ones with... Well, I, I would like to uh, offer an explanation which is this is how the elves come um, in the boxes. <laughs> oh, he's um, going they, as boxes. They come okay. spear shields, normal swords, and then bows. And unfortunately, I'm just adding on to your point here, Tim. Um, due to the way uh, low model count armies play, they like to be very cohesive. They like their things to be able to work together. They want a lot of spears. They want a lot of shields to make them as high defense as they possibly can be. So um, unfortunately, the best, the way you're going to get the best out of these elves is if everybody's got shields in the front. Um, if your bowmen have spears so they can shoot and then once they get into combat their lower defense can spear support the elves with higher defense and unfortunately if you want to run them this way you either have to do some sort of proxy thing or do a lot of converting which actually with high elves isn't atrociously bad um it's not easy but i've seen it done by um, me yes <laughs> well i've also seen it done by a lot of other people yeah um now, obviously, uh, if your twins do not have horses and do not have the heavy armor, give them the heavy armor. I haven't had the time to do the math on this list to see whether he just forgot to 
um, include uh, the the heavy armor and the horse uh, in the list, or if um, he did not pay the points for him. Um, but drop a couple of elves if you have to. Take the heavy armor. Take the horses. Um, because despite the fact that you get plus one attack on the ground, the horses um, with their increased damage output um, is just so drastic that you're going to want that. Um, other than that, uh, I don't think the heroes need any changing. Obviously, there are alternate ways to run this list, but I don't think they're necessarily better. But um, I'd say if you can, um, do your best to uh, try and uh, change the the war gear on these elves. Uh, if you can, give the bowmen spears. Um, if you can, maybe convert shields on the backs of some of the blademen. Um, in order to to give them that front rank defense six um, and that sort of thing. Also, uh, double checking just the bow limit here. I think it's pretty good, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the bow limit is correct. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Okay. Uh, Rainier, any thoughts? Oh, just the same thing, uh, switching the spears with the, or excuse me, the, the shields around. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see much change that I would do. Just, I think the army bonus rule is you reroll shoots around the leader, right? For Riverdale. Uh, if you don't, if you don't, if, if you don't move with, uh, yes. Yes. I, I might consider putting the twins bows in air stores warband, but besides that, like, I don't, I don't see much difference. Of course, mount, mount the twins. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would put heavy armor on the twins to save points, but Evan makes a good, like good case for that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm curious how, how it'll do um, against pure evil armies too. Cause it's a good versus evil. He also says the scenarios are going to be randomly drawn. So it depends on what scenario is going to be played. So we'll see. So, all right. Um, all right. So obviously I also agree with the, give the spears to the guys with bows. Um, and I, I've, I went through, after dealing with this for a while and got frustrated with elves and just went through and bought a box of elves, chopped them up. They're not, they're not that hard to kind of rejigger um, and, you know, put them back together in a usable format. So, you know, we've got elves with bows and spears and we've got elves with swords and shields. Um, and that's the way to do it. Um, but, you know, if, if you have to do it this way, you have to do it this way. I'm not sure that's, the biggest concern I have with the list, I think the biggest concern I have with the list is the twins who I think are too expensive for a 650 point list. Does anybody else agree with me on that? I mean, if you kit these guys out, even with just the heavy armor and the horses, they're 190 points. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I, who would you, who would your alternative be like a captain on horse with, I mean, if you're if you're gonna go up that high, I mean, how much is Glorfindel? Glorfindel uh, is um, like twenty points less. Yeah, so um, I, the I'm concern, fully, fully kitted out, he's one seventy. Yeah. The the concern with that is you have six might, um, one of which is probably going to be some sort of channel or spell with Kirdan, um, and the rest uh, you want to use um, 
uh, Glorfindel obviously doesn't want to spend any of his might except in combats. So you're basically leaning on Aristor to call all of your um, heroic moves and stuff like that. I think actually this is one of the uh, points levels where I'd say the twins are most um, preferable over Air over not Aristor over Glorfindel or Glorfindel. something like that. Um, just because it gets you those extra might points. Um, Cause usually Rivendell relies on Boromir of Gondor to give it that sort of might boost that it needs. And he's already stated that um, he has no interest in allying uh, with Rivendell. He wants to use pure Rivendell. So I think in order to get those extra might points, uh, I think the twins are probably the correct choice here. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably fall under Evan's camp a little more too because um, I'm a huge fan of the twins, but I always get frustrated when they come against defense seven and they can't kill stuff. But I think going against pure evil armies, you're going to come against a lot of D6, a lot of fallen realms that are D4, D5, and you'll have the opportunity to double heroic combat with them. I like that there are two knights also, so you get that killing power with the lance kind of coupled in with them. So I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think I would keep them also. It's a good consider, though, to take them out. But I think the six might, again, kind of takes it over. All right, yeah, so, sort of. Um, oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Tim, stay in your place. <laughs> <laughs> this is my time, okay? <laughs> um, I, I'm kind of... So Glorfindel with armor is 160. The twins, as are, are 160. So in order to give Glorfindel's horse, which I think we all would agree to give him his horse, that's another 10 points. If you wanted to give the twins' horses, it's 20 points, so 180. Um, so the question is, they're very similar in points. So you'd lose one model probably to add the horses to the twins if you didn't want to add armor. If you wanted to add armor, I think that's another 20 points. So there's... Uh, you'd, the have, you'd, have to lose, it, you'd have to lose a knight to give the horses to the twins. So 20 points... Um, Which, by the way, I think you definitely want to do. Yeah. So, well, the difference... So the twins are 180 with horses and no armor. They're 190 with armor because they already have normal armor and they're going to heavy armor. Um, and remember, the twins are two models. Glorfindel is one. So if you want to take them on horses with heavy armor, um, you'd have to drop one model. I, I think, um, I think because it's good versus evil, that affects the... I think that's the biggest thing about it. And I think good versus evil, I'd rather have two twins if they were on horse than Glorfindel. But I would say if they're on ground, I'd probably prefer Glorfindel. So I think a good versus evil, if I was good versus evil, I'd want one Glorfindel on Asphaloth rather than two twins who are going to get black darted off of both of their horses two or three turns into the game. Yeah. Well, at 650, how many times... You, I, I get that it's good versus evil, so you will see ring rates. That's not deniable. But I, I just wonder, at 650, how prevalent you think they're going to be. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure in good versus evil, you're going to see one ring wraith on the... At least one ring wraith on the other side. And that ring wraith is going to be doing little else but black darting horses for the first couple turns of the game until your 20 points of horses are gone. Am I wrong about that? Yeah. doesn't Ar uh, armor of Gondolin give uh, Glorfindel yeah. like resistance to magic too? And his fortify. It counts as fortify spirit being cast on him. 
Um, it's a good. I get, I get your point. It's it's a good point. It's, so he has twenty eight models at this point. Assuming that he went added horses, he's down to twenty seven. I under, I just wonder if with just Glorfindel, you have enough killing power there. And and that's my biggest concern because obviously Kieran has the aura of dismay to keep anything that doesn't have courage away a little bit. Um, you know, Aristor has the re-rolling to kind of help out in that regard. But I, I don't know that there's enough killing power without the twins is my concern. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Glorfindel's got a heck of a lot of killing power, especially since he's... But like he can only kill, seven. let's say, two models if he calls yeah, them. Yeah, but, but the twins are easier to shut down. Right. Are. There are there are two of them, but each one of them is easier to shut down, and each one of them has less killing power because they have one less attack and they aren't the Lord of the West. Um, That's true. So I you know, I don't actually know who does more damage, Glorfindel or the twins. I think Evan's right that the big advantage of the twins is you get six might rather than three. And that's, the, um, I mean, at this, if you go without the twins, you're at six might. And we've, we've discussed this before when we talk about Rivendell, one of their biggest issues is always their might points along true. with their numbers. And I think that nine might points, you can confidently take a couple of heroic combats into case, or if you need to call more heroic strikes or moves, you have that ability. But I will agree that Glorfindel is a much better suited person to kind of deal with evil. I just, I just think that the twins can offer more killing power in my view in a 650 point list. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, I think I agree with Tim uh, in that area. First, as a disclaimer, um, I am not saying that the twins are good. Uh, they are by definition, an overcosted model compared to many other um, models that you can very easily ally into Rivendell, such as Boromir of Gondor, Legolas, um, all those sorts of models that give you more bang for your buck. Um, for example, allying in Boromir and Legolas or something like that for very few more points just gives you so much more mileage in basically every area. However, I think under this specific set of constraints, where he's uh, not going to ally in Boromir or Legolas, um, and you're at so low points that there's no way to really buff off your might points, I think the twins are the most effective choice here. Okay, so Matt's saying Glorfindel, Evan's, Evan and I are saying twins. Rainier, where do you land on this? I'd still probably, just based off my play style, I think I'd fall under twins. Because, I again, like Glorfindel... He's I don't know, they're all they're all strength four anyways, and they all can get uh played the special blade thing with Kurdan. So I would still take the two over the one. Um just just for play style. But I think I think Matt makes really good points. And I think strategically it's a 50 50. It's a toss-up. It's a very it's very I, I find it very difficult to, because like how do you not want Glorfindel on your list, right? Like how do you not want that kind of person in your mm -hmm. list? So so I think part of the part of the answer on my my case in my case comes off of what what your evil meta is if your evil meta is a bunch of ring wraiths i think you take glorfindel if your evil meta is a bunch of hunter orcs then i think you're right you take the twins so because you want that might to be able to get the heroic moves That's so a good point. 
I guess I'll, I'll, I'll put a Glorfindel question mark on me um, because I think there's, you know, if, if you're fighting ring race, I think you want Glorfindel. If you're, if you're just fighting, you know, orcs without ring race, um, then uh, I think you're probably better off with uh, the twins. I agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny though, because like the new uh, Witch King model just came out. So there's your ring wraith and then the new uh, Legion of Azog came out. So there your hunter works. So right. it's like, you're yeah. going to be screwed anyways. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> Although, you know, interestingly enough, I don't think this particular list gives a damn about the new. Um, well, okay. I will say this. Um, I think you definitely want Glorfindel if you're fighting the new uh, Dolgaldora Legendary Legion. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, because you want you want a counter. You want somebody who doesn't need to strike up against Azog, uh, and and you know we'll beat him on on three up. But uh, the uh, but this list, you know, uh, th this list doesn't really care that much about the other benefits that that legendary legion brings because it has no offensive magic all its magic is stuff that and casts on other elves and you know some of that is uh you know enchanting blades and stuff like that but um you know it's not it's not like uh any orcs anybody's going to be resisting his spells okay um thank you boris for your list um i think we're kind of in agreement where uh, maybe move some spears around, maybe move um, some shields around as well. And then I think go based on what Matt said, and depending on what the meta is in your area for evil, make that decision on whether or not you want the twins or Glorfindel. But we definitely recommend putting them on horses at least. Uh, maybe drop one knight in order to do that, so at least yeah. they, can, they can get a lot better, of power. You're better off with two twins on horses than two twins on foot and one knight. Even though it's twenty points, and I know with the with the, like you said in the comment that you know everything's expensive and it's low model count, it, it is more worth it to have them on horse than the one extra night. Um, but let us know how you do in the tournament. I'm 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 always curious to hear when people say that they're going to a tournament and they're looking for a list review to see how they did in that tournament. Um, we're going to move into the main topic for today, which is the new book release, The Fall of Necromancer. So I'll ask everyone before we get into the actual legendary legions. What is it you're most excited about model-wise that came out? Whether that be, I, I guess I shouldn't say model-wise. It, it could be the new dice. It could be the new brain pieces. It could be, um, even though I know that they re released the Spider Queen, actually, and stuff like that, along with the supplement. So what is everyone most excited about that just got released? Uh, so I know I am most excited about the Dolgaldor terrain pieces, because I think that's going to be really fun to build a board out of. I think that's going to be a really fun board to to build just for a general board and then you can turn it around and you know kind of take all the pieces scrunch them together and make just kind of like a dogle door you know a nice cinematic dogle door two by two to do the uh the actual you know vanquishing of the necromancer scenario on i think that's going to be a really fun um set of toys to play with yeah uh Mine's the train too, actually. I like the idea of the train being an easy setup for like a tournament organizer. Also, you just buy like maybe four or five of those, add some rocky outcrops and some trees, and then you have a dual gold board. So I think it's really cool. 
I saw uh, that Australian guy, forget his name, Zorb Zorp. Uh, I saw him do a, a huge build with it. And it just looks amazing, the terrain that, he, that he's using. But because Matt also said that, I guess I'll choose something else. The dice look amazing. Yeah, like nice. uh, like you you rave about it, Tim. You always want the square dice with the sharp edges. You don't like. I, I just you know what it is is like. If anybody else has had that kind of, um, you know, the dice that they use at casinos. I think the feel of those dice are fantastic, I th- and, and I like that it's kind of rounded edges as well on these ones because like the ones at casinos are very sharp. And uh, yeah. I think what's great about these dice is you get the benefit of kind of the the more original smaller dice with the curved edges, but then you get the thickness of the the actual new dice that are coming out like the casinos. I think it's kind of the perfect compromise. So I, I'm always a big fan of the, the feel of the, the new dices that they releases. So, and especially for me, my favorite uh, army is Mordor. So to see Witch King and Sauron dice released, I'm a big fan of that personally. And I, as soon as the Sauron dice become available, I will absolutely be buying a set of those. Yeah, yeah, I ordered a few of each for the same reason because I'm painting up a Moran and Legion, and I was like, actually, both of these dice could work for them because you could do a Minas Morgul with uh, the Witch King one. You could do like a Moran and one with 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 the Sauron one. So they are really cool. But we oh. we learned something. You like rolling dice, not just at tournaments, Tim. <laughs> so, so I managed to miss all of the dice options um, because I think when when we when we signed on to do our pre ordering. Like there was something different about the way they came out in the US. There was only like one dice set that came out in the US. Um, and then by the time we got told the other dice set was on there, we signed on, it was already sold out. So I think we missed out on all the dice options. But but by the way, uh Rainier, raise your coffee cup, take another sip out of that. <laughs> you have you have the spookiest blue halo around that coffee cup. Yeah. Uh, so for those for those who are listening and not watching. Um, this is actually being recorded on Halloween night. So um, Rainier is, I guess, kind of buying into that theme. He has kind of the night, nice dark lighting uh, going on. I think, I think as far as I can tell, the only light there is the glow from his pumpkin. Uh, and he's also got um, this nice blue coffee mug that when he kind of waves it around, especially in front of the white part of the uh, screen there, um, you get this kind of creepy blue halo that he's like drinking this magic potion out of. It's I, it really, I got to give you props right here for, it's for true. doing a I themed will, record I, here. You know, you I really fully commit and that's purpose. what we appreciate. You know, yep. fully you guys, to appreciate it. I'm realizing too, my, my face looks orange too. So is that the pumpkin you're seeing, Matt? Matt? <laughs> well, you know, you do have kind of like glowing eyes from the reflection of something on your glasses. So it actually, you know, you, you are doing a pretty fair jack-o'-lantern invitation right now. Well, it just did come back from a seance. So that's probably what it is. Yeah, you're right. That'll do it. All right, uh, Evan. Favorite thing? Um, so now that love that transaction too. Now that <laughs> now that we're pretty much sure that um, a new necromancer won't be coming out, um, I guess the thing I'm most maybe not excited for but interested in is the new Witch King model. Um, I don't know necessarily if I'm going to use it um, because we already have uh, two models that work perfectly fine as witch kings but i think it's just cool that um it's so customizable with what you want to run on the witch king you can put on the crown you can take off the crown you can put on the flail that no one's going to use um you can put on the uh, morgul blade that sort of thing um and i think it's a good idea and they should probably continue at least with single heroes making stuff like this 
So I think this is, so let's see, number of Witch Kings we've got. We've got the Witch King. Oh, we've got the Dogledur one as well. So yeah, all right. So we've got free. that. Well, I'm just talking about the regular regular Witch Kings because I'm just I, I'm I'm checking in on model repetition here. So we have the um, we have the the Witch King, the original Witch King with no Morgul crown. We've got the Witch King with the Morgul crown that was mounted and on foot. Um, we have, I guess, there's that there's the uh, Weathertop Witch King. Um, that's floating around out there. We have the Witch King on Fell Beast that you can do. Um, so I guess that's four of them. A diorama Witch King with uh, Oh, yeah, we got the diorama Witch King. And yet we still have zero Forlongs on a horse. <laughs> I knew that was going to come. Yeah. How about, oh, well, how about all true. the multiple copies of the Fellowship members? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, How many yeah. Gandalfs do we have? Uh, more than we'd ever need, I can say. Yeah, that's right. We have a Gandalf for every season. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's everybody, though. Nope, you're, you're oh, muted. Sorry. Yep, you're yep, muted, yep. absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. You're telling me you didn't want another Gandalf the White? I mean, he's used so much. I mean, you're telling me you didn't want that? <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, so we'll go over to the first oh, What, what about you, Tim? What are you excited about? Oh, I said the the dice. The dice are one. Yeah. Um, Tim is all about that because you're just talking about casinos. I, I time tune yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You know what else? I, I saw in the back of the book, they showed uh, how to paint certain models a certain way. So like they showed like how to paint the necromancer to have that fiery effect. I thought that was a really cool little thing that they added, but they have like step-by-step instructions on how to paint certain models. So yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're going to spend most of our time talking about the legendary legions because that's what everybody wants to hear dissected. But there, there are other fun things in this book, including many scenarios that um, look pretty fun. And I, I agree with you that the, the the little master class that they have on painting the necromancer to be a fiery me- necromancer um, looks really cool. And I think I'm going to try that at some point. I'll see if I can acquire a new necromancer and uh, create one of those. Um, but uh, they, and they also have a, they also have a, you know, a little class on how to paint the new terrain. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. That's good. I'm also curious what other people think their favorite parts are because I don't know. It just seems like a kind of a random supplement. So yeah. So definitely put yeah, that comment, in the comments, guys. everyone. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the first legendary legion, uh, which is the Rangers of Markwood. Uh, so in this legendary legion, you can have Legless, uh, and Legless can have an elven cloak. You can have Tariel with elf bow, so it's included automatically. Uh, Mirkwood elf, uh, Mirkwood ranger captain, we all love those so much. Uh, Mirkwood rangers and a warhorn as an option for thirty points, and a wood elf sentinel. Uh, the additional rules are: rangers legion must be uh, led by either Legless or Tariel, and Rangers force may have hundred percent of its art, uh, models armed with bows. So what the first special well, rule... specified that since every model that you buy has a bow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love it if they'd left that out, by the way. <laughs> and, and you were stuck. <laughs> yeah, you would take Legolas, Tariel, and then one bowman, because otherwise you'd be above your bow limit. And then you right. just take Merkwood Ranger captains, captains, and that would yeah, be your exactly. list. Um, the first special rule is knife mastery. 
Friendly models may reroll ones to wound when making strikes, and additionally, friendly models may use their shielding special rule even though they're not armed with a shield. However, if they elect to shield, they may not use their knife fighters or blade master special rules. Um, so, and, all right. So this gives them, let me talk through this and make sure that I, I, I understand the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. uh, so they reroll ones. I get, I get that. That's just a way to make them kill more. Um, the ability of shield, I assume this is what they do when they've been charged by like one orc with a spearman behind it. Is, yes. Am I right about that? That's the purpose of this rule, because otherwise you're better off just using your. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. I think that's that's fair enough. Yeah, because I mean it's it's a good point. Why would you choose to be defensive when you could this, choose this, to have the same amount of attack? Yeah, attack? Uh, yeah I'm, I'm rolling two dice anyway. I may as well have a chance to kill something with them. Yeah, this does have slightly more application um, with uh, Legolas. Well, actually. We're going to talk about that later, but with Legolas, Tariel, and the Merkwood Ranger Captain, because they have That's more attacks. Um, though generally, um, if you're at a point where you have to shield with heroes, usually uh, something has gone wrong. It's gone horribly wrong. Um, right. Especially seeing as the heroes in this army list, while Tariel is okay, um, generally don't want to be fighting against enemy big heroes in a fair fight. They usually want to be surrounding them. Um, so if you ever have to use that shielding rule on the heroes, uh, things probably aren't going well. But, you know, you're playing a Merkwood Ranger I, list, so I, I the do odds like of things that. not going well are <laughs> probably high. It's most okay. of the time. <laughs> I, like the, I like the addition, though, to the rule where they basically made it so that if you shield, you don't get the benefit to extra dice. I, I think that's a really great little thing to, so that you can't abuse that. And just shield, 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 let Tariel and Legless kill stuff and just hold the line, basically. So I'm really glad they added that little bit to it. Um, you guys like the re-rolling ones, or is that just kind of like a little gimmick to you? It can't can't hurt. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a list that needs every bonus it can get, and yeah, that's a bonus. So Yeah. <laughs> is it going to make them more than remotely more competitive? No, not really. Um, but it's there. And it's not bad, so yay, yeah. I guess you can you can tell as we go through the theme. Uh, the writers were like, "Let's not do Athelian Rangers again." Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard, you're not going to create an Athelian Ranger list out of models that cost 14 points apiece. Um, but you know, so I, I I don't think that was a real fear, but. Uh, um, I mean, I, I you know, I, I I haven't done the math on this. I mean, how many? So it's say like six hundred points. How many of these guys could you get? Um, so one hundred ninety points are like Legolas and Tario will give you one hundred ninety. So twenty one of these guys are around three hundred points. Um, so you can so... take what uh, Tario's um, valor, right? So you can take thirty of them with the two of them. Yeah, so, so thirty is four twenty. No. Yeah. Yeah, four twenty. Four twenty, and then a hundred and ten is five thirty. Um, 
So it's 5.30 and then... Well, you are going to want to take at least one or two Wood Elf Sentinels. Uh, well, that uh, what I'm trying to figure out is how many Wood Elf Sentinels can you jam in here? And I think you can, if you just take Legolas and Tariel, I think you can jam in like four Sentinels. Um, which uh, is... That's actually a little frightening now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, um, it was like 30-something at 650. Yeah, and and aren't they um no okay, so they're not knife fighter sentinels. They're two attack sentinels, but they're not knife fighting sentinels, which would be really scary. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh so so yeah, it's six hundred points. Geez, could you get like hang on a second? I gotta do some math here. All right, so so let's see. We got 110 or Legolas and Toriel. Uh, At 600 uh, points, you're going to have about 32-ish models. No, it's, I'm sorry. 190. Yeah, 190. Um, uh, 100 are going to be Sentinels. So that's 290. And then so you got 310 left over, um, which I don't know. Somebody's better. At that now. is What's 22. Divided by 14. 20, I think it's about 22. 22. 22. All right. So that's 26. That's 28 models at, hmm, that's actually 28 models at 600 points. That's like the same um, amount of models as the list we reviewed, but yeah, it 50, is. 50 points <laughs> less. Like, oh. Um, and that was, a, that was a 650 point list, not a 600 point list. Um, so that's almost right on the money of number of models that you'd want for a 600 point list. Um, and they're all fight five and they all have bows and they all have elven cloaks and um, most of them are have knife, knife fighting. Heroic accuracy with legless. Well, I mean, I think you probably want, you've only got six might in the list, right? Yeah, that's um, true. So, but you do have four sentinels um, that can do funky stuff. We haven't even gone over all the other rules too all right so yeah. so i mean we've we've been kind of we've been kind of poo-pooing this list um <laughs> realize oh now, my that gosh, I, now that i've kind of like run the numbers on it i'm like hmm, maybe i don't know oh. e e evan are you convinced that there might be uh, here no um no, okay but <laughs> tim tim you can keep going uh okay. and maybe at the end i can talk about why i think this list sucks all right. Okay. So if you if you have a point, we'll just stop. But if not, I'll just keep going through the rules until we get to the end. Um, the next one is the Prince of Merkwood. Legolas gains the Knife Fighter special rule when he is part of the Legendary Legion. So doesn't yeah? I mean, that's great. I mean, Legolas goes into two guys. He goes up to three attacks. It's awesome. Um, can't take a horse though, so that's a little bit of a downside. Obviously, it wouldn't make sense for him to do so. But you know, you, you take what the Legendary Legion gives you. Um, clear the nests. Friendly models gain the hatred of spider special rule. Spider Yay! Queen. <laughs> spider Queen does not like this. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I missed this rule the first time I read it. Now that I see it, I actually think this list is overpowered. Um, <laughs> it should honestly be banned, just how broken it is. Yeah, well, you're just in the pocket of the Spider Queen lobby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about this after I read out the rule. The next one, Masters of the Forest. Whenever friendly models that is within one inch of a tree or within a piece of woodland terrain suffers a wound, roll a six. On the roll of a natural six, that wound is ignored exactly as if his point of fate has been spent. 
I, I, I honestly, and I mean this genuinely, I really think they should have made this more of like a, a blinding light kind of effect, to be honest with you. I know they have the elven cloaks so they could hide behind stuff, but I think, it, I think what they should have done is just if you're within like a certain distance, you can't, because like that's their whole thing, right? Like, I, I just wish they made the more uh, ability to defend against shooting. I just think that they should have made it because they're defense three. And even though you have a bunch of bows, if someone else has, let's say, Lake Town and they have 20 bows in Blinding Light, they're probably going to win that war because they're defense three. And so I think that kind of ruins their whole. I, I wish they had made this more about protecting them for shooting. But. Um, if anybody else has anything that they can add that, if not, I'll move I, on. To I, that I think they've, well, I mean, tried, does... they've tried to in a way because it's because they are ambushers and they have to be within terrain and like woods and stuff with the legendary legion. I like so the I, I like the I like the fury save aspect of mm-hmm. it. I think that's cool, mm-hmm. but I just I think there should have been one maybe on a four plus the 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 arrow, um, you know, some kind of weird thing to protect them from the shooting. I just think they should have added something like that. But yeah, that's just my yeah. opinion. So um, I guess my my thought on this rule was because I mean it, it's a six, and it's a six when you're near a specific terrain type that doesn't exist on many boards and will rarely exist on many other ones. And it's an inch, not even like a, a six. Yeah, inch so it's yeah, yeah. it's like it's like it's a who cares rule. I mean, I, I the way to actually make this rule mattered matter would have been, um would have been you know you you get a you get a you get a save on a six when you're near any type of terrain within one inch of any type of terrain and you save on like maybe a five or a six if you're near um a tree or yeah in woodland terrain yeah um because i don't think that would have been overpowered i think that gives them something where they get some sort of advantage on every board that they play on as long as they're not playing on a billiard table um and you know it's you know it's you don't, it's going to be really hard to overpower this list or, you know, create a list for, that's overpowered in this legendary legion. I don't think that would have been over the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I guess part, part of the issue with the shooting, Tim, is if you're within an inch of any type of terrain, because these guys have elven cloaks, you're probably not being shot at anyway, because nobody can see you for but- six inches away. Even if, even if like the tip of your toe is behind the, you know, a little fluff of lichen. Um, I I just think of it like this, right? So most of the time when you shoot at someone, you're trying to kind of focus fire an area, right? And more than likely, this is going to force your army to split up if you want to get that goal of getting the elven cloak. So you're going to have people out in the open that can still get shot at. And I wish that they would have figured out some way to kind of make like, if you're within six inches of a woodland train piece on a four plus, the shot is ignored or something like that. Like so, something, or like a, on a six, the shot is completely ignored. You know what I mean? Something like that, like a, a larger range of something where they just don't get hurt as much. Yeah. I, so the real problem with this list is that is the fact that these very expensive models are defense three. Um, and because of the Elven Club, I mean, this is an army that never should be more than an inch from some sort of terrain, right? At least not in the approach march um, period of the game where you're going to get shot because you don't want you don't want a defense three 14 point guy going down to you know an orc bow on the way in um but uh the the i think the useful part of this rule is actually when you're fighting um 
you know, because it gives it basically gives you a chance to yeah. kind of slough off some of those those hits from close combat. But you know, a, a six just isn't enough um, to do it. It would be be I, I'd even, much rather see him sloughing off like one third of the hits. Even if they brought back the rule for Elven Cloaks, where they gave them the, the old edition rules, where if you're hidden at all, you don't get the um, the, the you can't shoot you can't target them i think i would have liked that something as simple as that like if they're hidden you can't shoot them well so the problem with that is in this list everybody that's in this list is a ranger right mm-hmm. the the advantage to the old rules of elven cloaks were you could have like your front line of defense six elves with shields yeah. and then a bunch of you know defense three elves with bows standing behind them that nobody could see there are no defense six L's in this list. So the only no, thing I, you're going to hide behind is another defense three L. No, and I, and I get that. I, I guess I was making more of a point of, let's say one model's hiding behind a terrain piece where they can peek, and then you put the other one behind them. So then you can't say either of them no matter what, if that kind of makes sense to that regard. <laughs> yeah, so, well, okay. So like, you end it's up a with situa- the, the it's endless a... string of guys yeah, like six or seven no. <laughs> can't see any of them <laughs> behind the one tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it would be one of those things, though, right, where it kind of like, even though it's so situational or it would require it gives them a chance to never be shot at, you know, and then they it forces you to go to them. But anyway, I think it, it does. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, that would probably be a little silly looking, although I will say this, there is, there is a historical precedent for this. And this uh, showed up in the American Civil War. Um, I can't, it was in one, one of the, one of the big battles, I can't remember if it was the wilderness or Antietam, but there was a uh, example of, I, I think it was a Confederate soldier in one of his memoirs was talking about how you know, they're in the midst of this, this big firefight going back and forth. And there was like this one tree and there was this, this kind of line of soldiers behind the one tree that were going back. Cause it was the only cover around. And you could see as the firelight came in from the right the line of soldiers would shift to the left of the trees and, you know, create that line, just like you would see with the Mirkwood uh, Rangers there. And then, you know, if, if fire came in from the left, the, the line would then shift to the other side of the tree. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's the historical precedent for the Elven cloak where, you know, like one guy hides behind a tree and another guy hides behind him and another guy hides behind him. And then you've got 12 inches of Mirkwood Rangers hiding behind this one tree. But Okay. Um, the last special rule is silent ambush, which is basically um, master of battle. Uh, so they get to deploy with each other um, on a plus one, minus one situation. Um, Evan, I know you said you had some things to talk about if you want to go over those. Um, yeah. So I'd like to first just go over um, probably part of the reason why this list got a legendary legion. Um, and that's because it's garbage. Um, well, at least taking it in Halls of Thranduil is complete and utter trash. Um, there's a couple of reasons why that's the case. Um, one of them is the Mirkwood Rangers just die in combat. Um, putting uh, one guy into combat with them and putting a spear behind them basically means that if they win the fight, they're not going to kill you because they've just got one attack and you've probably got defense six. Um, and if you win the fight, you kill them because their defense is absolute garbage. Um, and, uh, other things that make the list bad is that Mirkwood Rangers are overcosted, uh, 14 points. I don't care if you've got 
a 200% bow limit, it's still not going to work. <laughs> um, one bow in each hand. Now, luckily, luckily, Merkwood Rangers do compensate for this by having the option for a Warhorn for 30 points, which is a must include in every single Merkwood Ranger army list. Because um, obviously going from Courage 5 to Courage 6 uh, gets you absolutely nothing, and there's no reason to ever take this. I don't know why they included it. Um, so in general, the Merkwood Rangers just are absolute garbage. Uh, luckily in this Legendary Legion, they compensate for this by giving them a whole bunch of special rules that do absolutely nothing. Um, Silent Ambush accomplishes basically nothing. It's Magical special rule, and he basically gets it for free uh in the gondor list and the reason he gets it for free is because in many scenarios it's not going to do much and for some scenarios it's going to help you a little bit um so that's not going to help you um, masters of the forest as we talked about before um has so many different caveats and uh just exceptions and all that stuff the fact that you need to have your warriors within one inches of a tree um and they need to roll a six to avoid the wounds. It just does absolutely nothing. Um, I'm not going to even discuss why Hatred Spider is not a remotely useful thing for these guys to have. Um, the Knife Fighter special rule on Legolas is okay, but if you were taking a Thranduil's Halls army, then you could just take Legolas on horse and be much, much happier. Um, You'd have to and, spend 10 points for it. Oh, no, 10 points for a horse. Whatever will you do? Um, and then knife mastery, uh, re-rolling ones to wound is fine. It's not hugely instrumental. Um, and so basically the only rule that's like going to help you it even a little bit is the ability to shield. And even then, um, shielding by definition won't improve your situation because you cannot do damage. You can die you slower. That's true. Your defense three guys can die ever so slightly slower, though if you lose the combat, you're still going to die. And I would like to point out that there is no way to get a banner in this list, so you're not going to be able to get those crucial rerolls on your elves, which are very important for high fight models. With the scenario um, points too, like uh oh, that is that is also true. Yeah. Another point that, that, to make that is a that is a big problem with the list is the no battle. Yeah, remember the Merkwood Ranger captains also do not have march, so you are moving six inches and you are only moving six inches. There's no Ooh, way I forgot around about that. that. Yeah, so you're going to get run over and reconnoiter. You're going to get run over and seize the prize. You're not getting to the middle first and hold ground. Um, all sorts of stuff that being uh, locked into a movement six army. Uh, is not good for so overall um, this army just taken from Thranduil's halls I might actually argue is better especially at higher points because you can take Thranduil who's very good you can also take a random Mirkwood guy with a banner who can help out a little bit um, and this legendary legion uh, is not good all right, you can yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. gonna say like, no, <laughs> like, how do you follow up from that? Like, that was just perfect. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Miss, misses out on some opportunities. They could have given them like, uh, like two extra. What is it like two or two or three extra inches movement through forest or something like they did in the movies to make them a little more competitive? In... Actually, that would be interesting. Is if if everybody in this list moved eight, 
Yeah, yeah, because it makes it more competitive because all the scenarios are like have moved towards. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind if they, they they did like a thing where and and it might be too much, but again, it's based on terrain. If they did like if they're moving through forests, they can move twice as fast. Like you can move twelve inches in a turn for if they're running through the forest. Directly. That might be a little much if they're like if they well, like then you fly can't. So, so, so for example, like, so if you if you have <laughs> let, let, let's say you have six inches right of a forest. You, that counts as three inches, and then you have three inches outside of the forest. That well, you could sense. you could do it to where it's as if they call the heroic march, so they cannot attack in that move. Because I think I think twelve inches of like you just surround whoever you want and stuff. Well, no, I'm just like, saying like if you're in the forest, your your movement like doubles, but then if you leave it, it goes back. So if you use three inches of movement to go to six, and you have three inches left outside of it, you I know. know. So, I, interesting. I mean, if Lurts of Scouts can go eight inches and Noldorian Exiles or whatever can go eight inches, I don't know why these guys can't go eight inches. All right, and now we're going to move into the next Legendary Legion, which is the Vanquishers of the Necromancer. So the army consists of Saruman the White, Galadriel Lady of Light, Gandalf the Grey, Alron, Master of Rivendell, and he has an option to take, or with heavy armor. He comes with his heavy armor. Yeah, it comes with his heavy armor. And Radagast the Brown, and he does have the option to take his sleigh. Uh, the additional rules are the Vanquishers of Necromancer always include Galadriel, Lady of White, Saruman the White. And, and Saruman the White is always the army's leader. A Vanquisher of Necromancer's force is always deployed as a single warband, with Saruman as the warband's captain. Uh, the first special rule, are you in need of assistance? Friendly models gain a bonus of plus one to resist pests if they're within six inches of another friendly model. We already know that one. Um, unless anybody has something to say about it, we can just move on to the next one. Yeah, that's uh, just a that's just a repeat of the uh, the army list special rule. Uh, this is a big one. From Ma- masters of magic, friendly models may still attempt to cast magical powers even if they are already engaged in combat. That <laughs> is enormous. This is a the sorcerer's blast. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I had a chance to play. We, we, one of the local players was good enough to come over on Saturday, and Evan and I each got to to take one of these legendary legions uh, against him as the foil. And I took this, um, I took this legendary legion, and boy, that Masters of Magic rule just changes the way these things work. Because to a certain extent, you no longer care about losing um, priority. You no longer care about losing priority because. You you still can do all sorts of stuff to your opponent, uh, even if you lose priority. I mean, he could go in, he could charge in all of your figures, and he could get his you know big heavy hitter uh, guy in there, and that big header heavy hitter is still going to get hit with a panic steed, two transfixes, and a banish um, from this crowd. And oh by the way, they they may they may also get a major's. Or a uh, Wrath of Bruin in from um, uh, from Elrond. Um, so this, you know, it, it, it's impossible to say how big an effect this rule has in the game because there's there's basically no way to stop this avalanche of magic that this these five guys can put out. Okay. Yeah. So I simultaneously like this rule and absolutely despise it um, for various reasons. Uh, The reason I like it, obviously, is because it's kind of what makes this list function. 
Um, it allows the white council to do what they want to do, um, no matter what the opponent does to you. And in the same vein, I absolutely despise this special rule because that's exactly what happens. There's no counterplay to this whatsoever. There's no way to get around it. You can't stop their spells from going off. Um, if you're focusing on big heroes, you're basically screwed because they're going to get shut down every single turn, no matter what you do. Um, I think of all of the special rules in this Legendary Legion, of which there are many, uh, this is probably the most uh, potentially problematic and suffocating of the special rules. And I think for especially less experienced players and even more experienced players, can make playing against this legendary legion quite unfun. Yeah, so well, we can discuss this a bit in in tactics at the end, but I think a lot of what Evan just said is is true. Okay, uh, we'll go on to the next special rule, which I think is probably my favorite out of all of them, which is metal not <coughs> in the affairs of the wizards. The text characteristic of wizard models in the legendary legion is always equal to the remaining wounds. So I'll just give my quick take on this. Obviously, that means the three wizards go to three attacks if they're healthy. I think the most underrated thing about this build is the ability for Radagast to renew wounds so he can always bring up your attacks. So I think that if you're... And, and to be honest with you, I would almost... If, if someone was in a dire spot where they had one wound left, uh, I would almost consider casting a fortified version to bring them up to three if they were in real trouble. Because the ability for you to bring someone up to three attacks compared to one is so underrated. Even two to three is just huge. And and for him, like the craziest thing about it is, even if they get charged with the new rule, he can always renew someone's wound. So unless you're doing multiple wounds to someone, and 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 this is an interesting thing as well. It almost makes it so that the wizards want to take wounds instead of using their fate. So it's almost like you now want to take two wounds before you start rolling fate. So it's a really interesting little dynamic there with the with the new rule. But what what is everyone else's thoughts on it? It's crazy powerful. Like you said too, like how do you even kill anybody? <laughs> like well, Radagast is just going to be like healing. I mean to give you a sense, I mean we played the 850 point version of this. So I had you know the five guys with Radagast on the sleigh. I played against a 46 figure um, uh, fiefdom's army and I quartered him. And at the end of the game, all of my figures had full wounds left. I mean, I took some wounds, but then they came right back because, you know, not only Radagast renew, but Radagast has an additional ability that's also in here where he gives even more wounds back. That's, um, that's, that's insane. Like, I don't like kind of what you said, like, oh a good player with this against like a not good player <laughs> like they're gonna destroy yeah them. so so we'll talk again we'll talk tactics with this list yeah at the end but you know another another good point that's being made about about this list is I, I think you're right tim there are times when you just if you're the wizard you know maybe throw a fade at it if that doesn't work just take the wound because you'll know radagast will give it back to you next turn one way or the other yeah, so, I mean, and, that, and that's the other you, thing. To you can't get well. you can't get too carried away with it because if you end up getting caught with one wound, you're down mm -hmm. to one attack. Well, um, that's a, and that's a good point of maybe you know that's a good point I didn't think about, which is obviously if you take the wound, you lose the attack. But my thought was 
if you just take the one, if you take two wounds, if you if you take two wounds, I definitely think you fake that. If you take one, I think you just take the wound, let Radagast renew you for that turn. And then that way you're, you're not, if you take two, I think you use the fake. So somebody, I don't, I don't have the rule book in front of me, but does Elrond also have renew? Um, uh, yes, me, he does. Yeah. yeah okay. So that I, I never had to use this, but I mean, so you have you have two renew spells that are gonna yeah. that can go off regardless of whether you're charged, and as long as you keep those guys, well, we'll get to another special rule. But as long as those guys are near Saruman, they're going to be re-rolling the cast numbers on it, so you can be pretty sure that you're going to get at least one wound back and potentially two, at the cost of losing some of your offensive magic. But um, I mean, there were a couple there were a couple times in that game when I had Gandalf and I was like. Well, I could spend this rerollable fate, um, or I could just take the wound, and somebody's bound to give him the wound back, and sure enough, they did. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent here and say I think all of the wizards should have this special rule in their base profile. Um, because what do we see the wizards doing? in all of the movies we see them whacking people with their sticks and their swords and spinning around and killing a whole bunch of guys. Um, and seeing as we, the wizards aren't exactly that powerful in this edition. Now that Radagast nature's wrath has been nerfed. Um, I think this is sort of the buff that wizards need to not necessarily be like, overly powerful but to actually be something you'd want to consider taking in a list because it sort of takes away um their huge vulnerabilities of not being able to do anything offensively whatsoever and uh being very weak to just getting charged and killed and i think it would add uh, a sort of nice competitive and themey dynamic um to the wizards that would sort of flesh them out a bit more I, I only worry about if you did that because so so I, I definitely think they need at least two attacks. But I think what would make it cool is if you made it specific to this legendary legion and then they just had two attacks. Because if they have three attacks based on their wounds, obviously, at that point, why would anybody not take a wizard like Radagast for 150 points? Because he still gets the ability to renew, he can do a little bit of nature's wrath, he can panic I, I, I think you may have to adjust their points if you were going to. Yes, because because at that point, um, I, I would worry that I would almost never not take a wizard if they have three attacks. Because it's like I can throw them into combat, I can cast spells, like cast a spell, I, put them into combat. I think Although I'm, maybe I think Gandalf might need a reworking because he has heroic strike. I'm not sure about the other two wizards. Okay, so you take away the strike. They're, they're I, stuck. I they're stuck with fight five, um, which, uh, with no strike, means that the three attacks are very unreliable. Um, and Would also, you give them a, de- a defense though, because they are kind of defensive in that regard. Well, they 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 have defense. Um, Do all of them already, have defense? But, Except yeah. for Gandalf. Um, Gandalf so maybe does. swap Gandalf out strike. strike for defense on okay. Gandalf to make him more like similar with the other wizards. I don't know. I think so. I, I guess I'm in, I'm in your camp, Tim. I think outside of this legendary legion, I understand why there are three within this legendary legion. I think outside this legendary legion, I'd be happy with two attacks on the wizards. Um, and maybe three for Gandalf the White. 
Um, yeah. And I, th- yeah. I think that that probably does that. If you're going to keep him at the current point level, I think that probably does the trick um, for the wizards kind of outside of this. Cause then they're still, they're still scary. I mean, there's still somebody who can run down your average troop type and you're somebody who you can imagine is you can take them all on horses and stuff. You, you can take them, them on horses, horse. they get their extra, they yeah. get their extra thing. I mean, Radagast has ways to get other attacks. Um, so it's kind of less of an issue for him. Um, but I, I, you know, if, if I had, if I had to go for wizard attacks outside of this particular list, I think I'd go for two rather than three, but Hmm. I'm be controversial. I don't think I'd only change Gandalf the White's attacks to maybe three. I don't think because Gandalf was <laughs> seven with Shadowfest. <laughs> no, because I don't. I don't see Gandalf the Gray mowing down that many Moria goblins or anything. You see him go up against the Belrog, and he's taking it out. And outside of the White Council, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't even oh, see that. Did you see yeah, him in Lake King. Town as well? Like he was murdering Gundabad orcs. Like I mean, he's got two weapons that must give him two attacks, right? Fair point. He's got his sword and his staff, and you see Plus, him using you, both of them at the same time. If you compare it to other profiles as well, right? Like a captain gets two attacks. I'm pretty sure Gandalf's a better fighter than a captain, I would imagine. Like if you were to put the two against each other, I'm pretty sure Gandalf yeah. wins that battle. But, but you you would you would have to like revamp uh, the points of like all the wizards and stuff, and like kind of like restructure. I don't know how they would do it too. Just the, the new the new uh, supplement just has all the wizards have two attacks. That would be interesting. It caused quite uh, a stir, I think. All right. So anyway, on. moving on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, another very powerful uh, special rule here: uh, Lady of the Golden Wood. Galadriel may target any model with the banishment magical power as if it were the spirit model. Non-spirit models targeted by Galadriel's banishment gain a single free point of will immediately resist this magical power. Additionally, friendly models within three inches of Galadriel gain resistant to magic. I think it is brilliant the way that they did this because they give you an ability to resist the banishment even if you couldn't normally do so, but it still allows her to do damage as if she want, to whoever she wants to. I think and this is my favorite rule by far. Damage, by the way, is not the issue here. So let me talk about two tactical applications of this, aside from just plinking off one figure a turn. Um, tactical application number one, um, you've got a whole bunch of wizards who are going to, the first thing they're going to do is cast Channel Terrifying Aura. Um, so you need to roll three dice, three dice to charge them. In most situations, you're probably going to get at most like one guy to get in and stop them if you have priority. So you get one guy to like go in and charge Radagast down a slave, for example. Galadriel, who probably also got charged, can just turn around and banish that guy. And Radagast is like, "Ooh, I'm off to the races again," and <laughs> goes off and uh, and you know gets his charge in. And she can do that against you know if. One person charges, you know, Elrond or whatever. Banish him, and Elrond goes where you need. Um, so that's that's tactic number one. Tactic number two: banish is a spell just like Black Dart, where you get to choose either the rider or the mount. Um, so you know, big hero, big mounted hero, um, Aragorn on a horse comes charging in and charges Galadriel, and Galadriel's like, "Hmm, I think I'll make your horse disappear." Poof, and. Uh, Aragorn goes clomping right onto the ground um, uh, and and is stuck. Uh, so, you know, Galadriel has now become a very effective ring wraith as far as dismounting um, 
uh, enemy heroes. Well, I mean, the, the horse still gets a die to resist. So The horse I mean, gets a die to resist, but remember, <laughs> she, because of a special rule we're going to talk about later, um, she gets to reroll a die on the attack. So what you can do is spend her free one, spend one additional one, and then take the reroll if you don't get high enough. So the odds are she's going to yeah. be rolling like a five yeah. or a six to get this spell off. And, you know, although the horse will get a die to resist, no might can affect that. Yeah. So if he doesn't roll the five or a six, he's stuck. That's true. Um, um, and I, I, I got to say, when I, played the, when I played this game, I got a lot of these banishes off against, you know, just random guys. Uh, I think there were maybe like one or perhaps two that the random die was able to resist. Um, we'll move on to the next one. I think that one's my favorite. Though, but oh um, yeah, and quickly on the resistant to magic, um, which is the other thing here, which is the three-inch one. Um, my first question is uh, why, um, <laughs> and my second question is just like, couldn't this have been at least a little bit more creative? Um, like I sort of understand what they were going for with this, which is the whole. We want these guys to be completely invincible, but they've already got the plus one to resist tests. They've got the fortify spirit. Um, they've got other special rules that we'll, um, that we'll sort of talk about later. Um, I, I don't necessarily know why this was here, except that they just wanted to give every single model a um, three-inch buffing special rule. Um, yeah, and for those keeping track at home, you should keep in mind that this this special rule gives the die of resistant to magic. The first special rule that we talked about gives it a plus one. So this is not just a resistant to magic that you're getting. This is a plus one resistant to magic that you're getting. Because by definition, if you're within three inches of Galadriel, you're within six inches of another model from this list. Okay. Um, the next one, the Gray Wanderer. Gandalf gains the fearless special rule. Furthermore, friendly models within three inches of Gandalf cannot have their courage value reduced by enemy magical powers or special rules. It's Next. good. Yeah. Like why? Like I can't imagine people are casting like drain courage or the ring. Yeah, you can, all, you have like the ring race, and they're just like, I'm gonna drain courage. Like, watch this, me, I'm gonna slowly middle you away. This yeah. is absolutely nothing. It, it well, it, it takes nothing. away that one pesky minus one that every once in a while one of these wizards will fail and it, it makes it, it takes them from next to impossible to fail courage to impossible to fail courage. But. Okay. Um, next one, Lord of Amalatris. Elrond may declare a heroic strike for every fight phase without expending might. Additionally, other friendly models within three inches of Elrond count as being in range of a banner. Huge, huge, huge. Three inch banner and a free heroic strike every turn. I mean, he can basically go toe to toe with anyone. <laughs> it, I, 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 well, I love this one. Just for clarification, and somebody tell me if I'm reading this wrong. I think because it says additionally other friendly models within three inches of Elrond, Elrond does not banner himself. Correct. Okay. He, he's, he gets Lord of the West, so he gets to yeah. roll one anyway, but yep. he does not banner himself. Everybody else banners. I mean, he's, I mean, it's like you said, the Lord of the West, he gets the re-roll anyway, so it kind of yeah, makes... But he doesn't get two re-rolls. He doesn't get the, he doesn't get the, the infamous dwarf uh, Durin double re-roll, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> um, right? Wisest of the Astari. Saruman can attempt to cast two magical powers each turn rather than one, but may not attempt to 
cast the same magical power twice or target the same model twice. Additionally, when other friendly models are within three inches of Saruman attempt to cast a magical power, they may re-roll a single D6 as part of the casting attempt. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this is this is the third of the three Uber rules that's in here. Um, so and this is interesting on two levels. The first is the I can cast two um uh two spells. And you know, it, there's a bunch of things you can do. I mean, he can cast like the one protect himself spell and then do an offensive spell on the same turn. He's got to burn up some will do it. Some neat other neat tricks. I will cast a compel on this random guy on a horse, move him right in front of your hero, and then I will... Oh, actually, no, that doesn't work. You can't target the can't, same model. can't target plus. the same model. Um, but, uh, um, you know, wh what I can do maybe is I can either, you know, I can... How would, how would you have to do this? Well, I don't know. You, it, you're right, because you can't, you can't do the, uh, the same thing, but I was trying to think of an interesting trick where you could do... I mean, one thing you could do is you could... Um, cast a, you know, cast well, a compel on you, random guy, uh, uh, cast a compel on here on horse. He says, well, that's just a compel. I know there's going to be other spells coming in. So maybe I won't resist this because I'm far away, move him behind somebody and then sorcerers blast the other guy. Yeah. Um, you could do that. Uh, but um, the, the, the real kind of humdinger is this. Everybody within three inches of Saruman now wears a mortal crown. Um, and this is something I found out when I was, this is something I found out when I was playing the list is that the, the increase in offensive spell power that this rule creates is incredible. You are now, not only is Saruman re-rolling, but everybody else is. So everybody else is pretty much guaranteed to get a spell off. And, and, and even, you know, e even if it's just, um, Elrond, like firing off his, nature's wrath you're pretty sure it's going to go off even if you're going to just going to send gandalf and have him like restore elrond's will so he can keep firing off that nature's wrath you're pretty sure you're going to get that one off um the one thing evan and i were talking about is oh well now you don't need to spend an extra will on channeling because you can always re-roll that uh you know that one when you roll it and of course the first time i did this with saruman he cast channel terrifying aura rolls as one it's like haha i can re-roll this rolls a one again um so that's not foolproof but you know e even somebody with me who rolls as badly as i do when i play with magic can actually make magic work with this list <laughs> all right i'll shut up now about this rule. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, it's pretty dangerous yeah i i echo what um what dad says about the whole um so reliability with wizards is sort of a fine line um, because if you want to get your spells off, you need to spend extra will points in order to do it. And if you spend extra will points, you tend to run out of them. And when you run out of them, all of your exhaustion spells go away. And then you're stuck just throwing one dice a turn. And that's about as unreliable as it gets. Uh, this special rule... Um, we already knew was extremely strong on Saruman, and it's why it makes him so good. Now all of your other casters get it, and it just increases their longevity so much. Um, it increases Elrond's chances of casting uh, Wrath of Bruin in every turn on one die from 50% to 75%. It increases 
Gandalf strength and will on Elrond every turn um, from 50% to 75%. It increases Galadriel's fortify spirits um, by so much. It means that she's more likely to banish models very easily. Um, it's it's just so strong um, that these wizards who now, who used to be able, who used to have to rather spend multiple will points in, e in order to guarantee that these spells go off. Now they can very comfortably say, I'm going to throw one will at this and I am almost definitely going to get it off. And it increases their longevity and reliability so much. Yeah. I guess the one other thing I'd have to say about this is, this rule makes order of operations with this list very important if you are like moving forward because you know you only get this within three inches of Saruman. That's not a big distance. So you have to make sure that you know, you're moving Saruman somewhere in that sequence so that he is within three inches of everybody else when you need them to cast the spell. And there are a couple of times where I screwed this up and like moved things in the wrong order. Um, and you know, ended up having to cast a spell outside of three inches of Saruman. But even then, at the after quartering this forty-six figure army, I don't think I had anybody who had less than two will um, in this list. I'm not sure Gandalf spent any of his six. It, by the time it, we were it definitely it definitely sounds very very good. I mean, in the thing that you look at all these as individuals, but together it just, it literally does create that atmosphere of how do you stop this really off in terms of like, maybe not in terms of scenario, but in terms of trying to kill these guys, how do you stop these guys? Um, the next rule is protector of the Greenwood. Once each turn at any point in the move phase, Radagast may choose a single model in base contact with him and roll a D six on a four or five. The chosen model regains a wound lost earlier in the battle. On a six, the model regains all of its lost wounds. Additionally, friendly models within three inches of Radagast may move through difficult terrain without penalty. I don't know how often this will pop up. It could pop up a lot, but I think the fact that you have to be in base contact with them makes it a limiting situation. But for the ability to... necessarily, because remember, it's at any point during the move phase, so we can just... Do like a drive oh, by to, and run yeah. past a guy oh, okay. and then go and know, do what he wants. You can go tag somebody, you know, move two inches, tag somebody with a sleigh, heal him up, and then go eight inches off and then charge somebody else. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. So, I mean, a four plus free wound means he can use his spell on his because it's not a spell. So you don't have to, you can use your, your spells towards something else. Like maybe you wanted to knock everyone to the ground. But that, I mean, that's, I think it's a pretty good rule. I think it's probably. The weakest out of the, the, the amount of them, but it's still a very good rule because you don't have to spend anything to get it. It's just go in base contact yeah. and you get it. So yeah, you uh, can, this this list can regenerate three wounds a turn. Yes, which when you consider it's got fifteen wounds in it, um, is quite a big deal. And so, well, one little thing about this difficult terrain rule, because it just confuses me greatly. I think the way you actually need to use this is you need to park Radagast in a space like in difficult terrain. So when models move through the difficult terrain, they get the bonus because I think once they leave three inches, they no longer move through difficult terrain without penalty. And 
they can't just like end within three inches of him and expect to um, not get the penalties. So basically, if you're trying to get through difficult terrain, what you're going to want to do is move Radagast first, park him in a piece of difficult terrain, and then just have all of your other guys run through um, and get this bonus once they get within range of him um, and then get it that way. Yeah, I think they it's run, sort of they a, run past a, him. Yeah, it's a very wonky rule to set up and sort of um, Probably confusing at first glance. Yeah, th- there's also some there's also some odd stuff like if Radagast is on a sleigh, I don't th- I think the only rough terrain he can move through is woods. Correct. Um, so, you know, if he if he's on the sleigh, some weird things happen where he's going to have to, like, drive next to the rough terrain if it's like rocks or something. And then the rest of the team, like, runs along next to him. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting. So this, this, the last rule here is an interesting one. I have my own theory on how you use this, but it'll be interesting to hear everyone else's. Go back to the void from whence you came. Once per game, if Galadriel has at least one will point remaining, Galadriel may choose to exert her full power instead of causing a magical power. If she does so, then she immediately casts the channeled version of the banishment magical power, which cannot be resisted. Models may use fate points to prevent the wounds individually individually as normal however immediately after casting the banishment magical power in this way place galadriel prone and reduce her will to zero additionally for the rest of the battle she does not benefit from her lady of Lothlorien and war aspect special rules i mean i'm going to imagine this is a, a, a final last ditch effort to kill the general would be my guess but what do you guys think the purpose of this rule is yeah, I mean, she yeah. becomes completely useless uh, after you use the special rule. Um, I'm fairly sure the war aspect is that the minus one, uh, uh, I or can, is it the yes, punch people one? It's the minus it's, one. It's not the punch. She she can okay. still fight. She, she loses still punch her, people. Okay. Yeah, she loses her free point of will, and she loses her cause terror and cause minus one to terror. It's like a late game, like last push. Yeah, like yeah. one or one or two like rounds left. Just... I think it's great. I actually, I I know it's going to be very situational and it's a risky thing to do, but if you could get someone out of fate and they still have three wounds, they just is it D three wounds or is it just they die? It's D three. Uh, D three. Oh, so it's a okay. So it's not just into the dead. All right. So then you know you're taking a risk there, obviously. Um, God, I wish they would have made that just insta kill personally because I think that's. I, I don't know. The Balrog would disagree, but um, <laughs> yeah. But all right. So it, <laughs> and it, Sauron. It, so maybe if someone has like two or less, two or less wounds, maybe if they had three, you'd go for a, a last ditch kind of hope to kill them. Um, but I, I think it's a good little rule to have in case you really needed it. Yeah, I mean another another one would be is if somebody's only got like two fate on their Witch King or something like that, um, and you just wanted to kind of take the i mean like if somebody if somebody brought like uh one of these like one fate or two fate witch kings but it dumped like 15 points of will into them and glad was like hmm well maybe this is worth it <laughs> you know, yeah maybe this I mean, will work <laughs> you I, know, I think in some instances it will be just a math thing where either the hero has very low wounds or you've whittled it down in some way and uh and it's got maybe fortify spirit on it or something like that. And it's an expensive hero. And you just go, 
all right, I'm fine with you losing my magical powers for the rest of the game. I'm just going to do this banishment special rule and guarantee that I am just killing this hero, which is more valuable than Lady of Light is. Um, and obviously it's, it's a big trade-off because you're losing your fortify spirit, but if you don't need your fortify spirit, then I mean, go for it. Yeah. Or if you can right. shoot a couple wounds off Gulivar or Sorceress Blast a couple wounds off Gulivar and he's only got two left, it may well be worth it to exhaust Galadriel to um, take him out. Yeah. So what I want to, before we wrap this one up and go on to the next legend, Matt, I know you want to talk about how it played, but I also, when you're done speaking about how it plays, I want you to talk about how you would possibly deal with this in beating it to win the scenario. Okay, so... Yeah, as far as oh, how this re- plays. Real quick, though, guys, yeah. I think I have to get going to because I got to get ready for work. Okay. All right, so I'll see you guys. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Um, so, I mean, as far as how it plays, it is, I mean, it's a very fun list to play. It's very complicated to play because there's just a lot of moving parts. And I, I mean, I was playing this against a list that had no magic. I would imagine that. The, the complications grow exponentially against a list that has magic. Um, but I mean, they do say this is a list that wants to fight together and it clearly does. Um, the problem comes when you fight a scenario. And I mean, we are playing destroy the supplies. This is one of these scenarios that really kind of forces you to um, uh, split up because um, that's a problem. And the way I solve this problem is I just basically ignored it and said, I'm going to fight together regardless until I can kind of kill enough stuff and then I'll go after the supplies and hope I can do this quick enough um, and was able to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the way this scenario came out, I destroyed two of his supplies. He destroyed two of mine. I managed to keep a third one alive just by Saruman kind of reaching back with his 18-inch compel and then with sorceress blasts to kind of keep people away from it until... I could kind of get get Radagast back there to basically take his sleigh and sit on it. Um, but the way you beat this army, I think, is the same way you actually beat the champion's chariot, is the last thing you want to do is fight this army. It's still, at the end of the day, a five-figure army, and you got to try and win the scenario some other way by um, you know splitting yourself off and kind of taking the rest of the objectives, running around it and reconnoiter, um, this is not a list I think you want to play. This is yet another list you do not want to play champion contest of champions against because um, you're going to find your champion is going to get shut down very quickly. Um, but you know, this is a list where you want to play geographically. You want to split your army up and basically force these five guys to go off and you, know, you, you split your army up into like two or three parts and whichever one he, he goes after with his five runs away and the other two try and accomplish something to win the scenario. I think that's how you have to play it. So what, what I would ask though, is let's say the group attacks one third, they kill it. Then they move on to the second third, they kill it. Does that not create the problem where you're essentially just almost not allowing to move around the board? So like, let's say it was uh, one of the scenarios where you have six or five objectives you have to get to. So you put, you divide it into five groups and then they go one by one by one. And then they try to take over the last two and then just win it by that. Does that not, is that not a worrying thing to, to think about? 
Well, remember, each one of the groups of your groups can run away as fast as these guys can pursue them. Yeah. Because this is a list that moves six inches. They have I mean, no it, march. They have no march. For the sleigh, which is very easy to kill. So you um, think it's more of like a you time can't rope thing. defense your, your horse. Um, yeah. If I were to play against this list with a list that I wasn't confident in being able to charge in and grind it out, I would just run away the entire game. Um, and it wouldn't be fun for the person I was playing against. It wouldn't be particularly fun for me, but I would know it would be less fun for me if I charged my troops and failed all of my courage tests and got absolutely murdered. So in any objective game, I think if your opponent knows what to do, they will be able to beat this list. Um, unless the white council player is a combination of very lucky and very skilled. I mean, I will say this, this, although this list does move six inches a turn, it does have a number of ways to a large number of ways to pull people toward it. Um, so I think it actually, I, I think it is harder to kind of evade this list than it would otherwise be, but it's not impossible. And I think it actually would be kind of an interest. I think, if you are a person who, if you're a person who just wants to kind of go in and fight stuff, this is not the list to play or to play against. If you are the person, if you are a person who likes kind of a good kind of strategic and tactical think about where stuff needs to move on the table, how can I like grab stuff and use heroic combats to get into, um, get my guys into combat with the enemy? I think this is going to produce some interesting games. So I think there are also some aspects of the list that will make it very hard for especially newer players to win objective scenarios with it. And that's the amount of thinking time required to order your spells in the proper way and to cast all of your spells. Because casting spells and resisting spells takes a while to resolve, especially when you need to sit down and think about, okay, this guy needs to go first then this guy needs to go, then this guy needs to go. And um, unless your opponent just completely just charges into you immediately, I can't see you killing a large portion of uh, your opponent's army with this list. And I think then your opponent will just outnumber you on the objectives and win. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people are going to want to play this. Um when they go to their next game or maybe even as a trial game, looks like a lot of fun to play as, but like you said, it's a very synergist, synergistic, oh, synergistic, synergistic. Uh, there you go. Synerg yeah. I meant <laughs> synergistic <laughs> list where it definitely requires a lot of thought. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. If you do decide to play it, it is a very tactical type of list. Um, we're going to move on to the next one. This is my personal favorite of the list. Uh, it is the pits of Dolgodore. So you can have Azog and the White Warg. That is it. There's no heavy armor. There's no flail. Uh, the Keeper of the Dungeons, Gundabad Orc Captains, they have the option for shield. Hunter Orc Captains, they have the option for Fell Warg, Orc Bow, or Two-Handed Pick. Brain the Broken, um, I guess, if you want to. Uh, <laughs> Gundabad Orc Warriors and Hunter Orcs and Fell Wargs. So a good little mixture of warriors. Um, you can choose to do whatever you would like with that. There's only one additional rule. Um, it must The force must include Azog, who's always the army's leader. Uh, the first rule is surprise attack. Once per game, before priority is determined, 
so long as he is alive and on the battlefield, Azog can declare that he is using this ability. If he does so, do not roll for priority. Instead, Azog's controlling player will automatically win priority roll. Additionally, enemy models may not declare heroic moves in the following move phase. He gets a plant here that cannot be countered. I think this is incredible. The, I mean, we talk about those key move-offs once in a while, and for him to basically say, I am winning this, guaranteed, there's nothing you can do about it, I think is just a little bit of an underrated rule that will go unlooked. Because for him to just basically say, I am going to do exactly what I plan on doing, and there's literally no counter, must be very frustrating for the opponent to go against. Um, magical Void, friendly models, gain resistance to magic special rule. This is the best ability by far. Um, everything gets resistant to magic, which includes warriors. So that's a little underrated little thing right there in case you wanted to cast out a warrior to compel them in. Uh, Fury of the Pale Orc. Azog may declare a heroic combat each turn without spending might. Again, he has six might with the warg, a free heroic combat, and him being fight seven, even at strength five, he, he is going to destroy things. Um, this is my favorite by far. I, I always like playing evil armies, and I specifically I like playing big tier evil heroes. So your Witch Kings, your um, Saurons, your Azogs. But I, the problem with most people, I think, would agree with Azog is he had no counter to magic. Now he does. And I'm not saying it's a complete counter, but he has the ability to really go against magic and stop it and really attack people. And with him being able to take Hunter Orcs with this as well, you can spam those out with the Keeper of the Dungeons being that secondary hero who does a decent amount of damage as well. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on the list? So I have played this list um, before once uh, yesterday uh, against the same uh, person that Dad played against. Um, and I noticed a couple things about it, and I'm sure none of them are really going to be surprising. Um, first off, the list relies almost entirely on Azog um, to do the hero killing, to kill a bunch of troops. So this is going to be sort of an all-or-nothing list. If your opponent has ways of dealing with Azog, they will win the game. If your opponent cannot deal with Azog, then um, they will lose the game. That's how it's going to go. Um, the resistance to magic is nice, though my opponent didn't have any magic, so it didn't exactly come into play um, in that particular situation. Um, it's not going to be overly useful on your warriors, but it's not bad. Obviously, the big thing with the resistance to magic is it is on Azog, which uh, will, I wouldn't say drastically, but will definitely improve his uh, ability to deal with magic and will make him much harder to deal with in general, especially with the fact that he can call free heroic combats. And for that game, um, when I played him, he started the game with six might, and he ended the game with six might. So he definitely has might spare to be able to might up his resist rolls and stop those spells from going through. Well, you were playing Lords of Battle too. Yes, though I only got a grand total of one might um, for free from that one um, because I didn't use any might to kill the other heroes. Um, but 
in the end, uh, Azog did very well in that game. It was against fiefdoms. Um, he managed to kill Forlong, a captain, Angbor the Fearless, and Imrahil, and about six warriors. Um, so he obviously did quite a lot. Um, this, these two rules, Magical Void and Fury of the Pale Orc, uh, I find him very comparable to Elendil, because uh, he has similar power. Uh, obviously, Elendil has the plus one, but Azog makes up for that for, by being able to wound all heroes on threes. They both have free heroic combats. Uh, Elendil is slightly more resistant to magic because he gets two free will points instead of one. Um, and Azog is slightly better in the sense because he's got uh, a warg, well, a uh, horse or warg model in general that doesn't die uh, just to one legolas shot or anything like that um and he's got six might um though this is sort of counteracted in turn by azog being uh inherently overcosted. uh i know a lot of people complain about him being too good but really a lot of his his cost in game goes towards the master of battle and Remember, the Master of Battle isn't in this list. It's replaced by the Heroic Combat, which I think is either slightly better or roughly about the same points. Um, so I think really the big thing you get from this list is the Surprise Attack Special Rule, um, which can be both used offensively and defensively. For example, if Azog is sitting out in the middle of nowhere and he's uh, under threat from heroic moves and getting swamped, then uh, you can use that to get him out of that situation. And it basically leaves your opponents in just absolute terror of him because if they leave any hero exposed, you can just say, all right, I am going to take priority this turn. I'm going to charge that hero and kill that hero, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So I think surprise attack is really what makes this list special. This is the bane to... of cavalry armies. Yes. Just one turn, you can just say, all right, I'm going to go first. <laughs> I'm going right. to kill all of your cavalry my, my, models. My two attack hunter orcs with uh, spear support from uh, Gundabads are going to be charging your, all your cavalry models who only get one attack back. Yeah. Have fun with that. It's, it's not going to be enjoyable um, for that. So I think this list is probably going to do very well against most armies and then get absolutely murdered by army lists like Angmar and Corsairs. Um, army lists with mass fight four are going to be problematic, especially ones with big banner effects. Uh, armies with mass terror are going to be problematic because the only way to counteract that is a war horn and... Warhorns are 30 points. Although, I will point out, Fiefdoms is a list with Mass Fight 4, and you're able to have Azog take it apart with this. That, that is true, though I think perhaps my opponent could have played better in the sense that they could have played more conservatively with their heroes, so I couldn't just like eat them up every single turn. Um. But that is true. Having fight four and a big banner effect isn't the end-all be-all. But yeah, I think I mean, shooting is going to be problematic. 
a ton of magic is going to be problematic as well because despite the fact you have the resistant to magic special rule there's no alternative threats to draw magic away from azog your opponent can be pretty confident just casting spells on azog and then just not really caring about casting spells on the rest of the list because sure the keeper of the dungeons isn't bad but he's not going to be doing substantial damage so i think this list um could do very well in the right hands but it's got a couple of crippling weaknesses that i don't know if i I would call the weaknesses crippling i I agree with you that there are weaknesses i'm not sure that they're they're crippling Um, i think i think this would really i think i think he said it right i corsairs would love to go against this I I, i i'm not actually sure corsairs would um, no. it, de- it depends on the scenario. If it's a scenario where the Corsairs can bring their crossbows to bear on these guys during an appro- approach march, then okay, yeah. Um, but the fact that the, Corsair- the Corsairs are going to die every time they lose a fight against this list, and, um, and Azog is going to be killing at least four of them a turn because uh... none, of their, none of their heroes can stand up it, they don't All their have heroes to, will run in terror from you can just shoot into Azog's combat and eventually kill him. Well, he's defense five. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, having played, having now gone through a tournament with the Corsairs and played a few other games with the Corsairs, um, it is if, if Azog's out on his own fighting one set of guys, um, then you can do that. If Azog's in the middle of a battle line coming together that becomes much harder to do um because he could you know he could charge two guys you got to kill two of them i i gotta say throughout that tournament i can't think of a single time where i was able to you know charge a guy into you know a hero and then shoot out my guy so that guy couldn't heroic combat it just turned out to be much harder to do when they were kind of in the middle of the battle line because you just can't get quite as many shots but anyway um uh you know, which is not to, which is not to say that you know the Corsairs wouldn't give this list a run for their money, but I think this list would have a decent shot against um, uh, against Corsairs. I agree with you though that what this list really fears is shooting at a distance because it's got some problems closing. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, also, one more thing to cover is the lack of armor on Azog. So if yes. Azog botches a combat, uh, he can die very yeah. easily. Does he get the, the thing where he can take uh, like fate from the war? That he has that right? Yes, he does the war's got three one fate. wounds, two fate. Okay. Um, yeah, and so if he is fighting another hero, and the hero has might left, and he's got maybe a couple of friends in there. Azog can very, very easily die, especially if the hero, the other hero is strength five or higher. So in, you need to be careful when using Azog to kill heroes in this list. Usually you can just throw Azog in and say, okay, I'm defense seven. Uh, if they somehow win the fight against me, uh, I can take this damage that they're dishing out. But in this army, you need to be very tricky about when you use Azog to engage opponents' uh, powerful heroes because you can get to a point where 
you're going down to a 50-50 roll-off to see if Azog dies or not. And if Azog dies, you're going to struggle to win the game. So it's something to keep in mind. Tim, you're muted. Sorry. Um, besides the fact that uh, Azog is is vulnerable, I think what's great is you can take a lot of models like Huntorks to go with it because they're you know eight points a pop, and because the keeper is seventy five points, and even though he's probably where was he two fifteen two ten two fifteen total with the ward, so it just becomes one of those things. Let's see what is he? He is two fifteen. All right, so he's 215 points. You add the, the keeper, 290, then you add one more captain for 45, so 335, and then you add the, the troops. I mean, you can get a lot of troops at that point along with uh, having decent heroes. So I, I, I'm a big fan of this legion. Curious, I'm just curious, Evan, how big was your army that you played? Um, so this was 850 points. It was 48 models. Um, it had a banner and a war horn, roughly a 50-50 split of hunter orcs and Gundabad orcs, uh, two captains, the keeper, and Azog. So especially at higher points, it can get to decent numbers. Um, I think the sweet spot is roughly around 750, 800 points. Going lower will cut into your numbers, and once you start cutting into your numbers... Um, you're going to start having problems because your guys will disappear quickly because even though I killed a lot of my opponent's heroes, I still lost a substantial portion of my army just with my hunter orcs losing fights and dying. Um, so it's, it's definitely something you need to be careful of. Although I, I guess the counter argument would be at lower points, you're less likely to run into something that can shut down Azog. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't necessarily need to shut down Azog at lower points because you can just I, kill the rest of the army. Well, I think query whether at lower points you want to do the Gundabad orcs rather mm -hmm. than the hunter. You know, increase the proportion of the defense six Gundabads as opposed to the um, uh, hunter orcs. So they're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to kill as often, but I'm going to die a lot less often. I actually that think would probably the, be the way to do it. I think the sweet spot for this is 500 because at that point it, you, you take the keeper with Azog. So you're allowed to get 30 models and then those two combined are 290. And then you could take two war bands of uh, bads or of uh, hunter orcs and then fill in the rest. So you probably get like close to 27, 28 hunter orcs with Azog and the keeper. I mean, at 500 points, that's going to be very difficult to deal with. Um, but we'll move into the last one, which is the Rise of the Necromancer. Um, this obviously has the Necromancer. It has the Nazgul of Dolgador, Keeper of the Dungeons, and Castlins of Dolgador, and they can take a Morgul Blade for five points if they'd like. Uh, the additional rules are must include the Necromancer, and he's always the army's leader. And it's always deployed as a single warband. Uh, the first special rule is whenever the Necromancer attempts to cast a magical power by expending one or more will points, he is automatically adds an extra free will point to the casting. Um, I mean, I we think know that what a, that one is. Yeah, yeah that's we've, we've, already, we've already seen that one. Um, power of the Necromancer friendly models gain the resistance to magic special rule. Additionally, the Necromancer can attempt to cast two magical powers each turn rather than one. 
However, he may not attempt to cast the same magical power twice or target the same model twice. Pretty good. I mean, uh, he had the two thing, uh, the two. Didn't he have the two magical power before as well? But he no. didn't have. Why do I feel like I saw that before? Maybe it was a mock draft someone made. I think it was in one of the scenarios, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Hmm. So two two magical powers, the same thing as Saruman. Um, That's always great. But again, with him only, with him having, relying on his will. Well, the same thing as Saruman from the Vanquishers. From the Vanquishers. Yeah, yeah. So, but even though he has 25 will, which obviously is a very large amount of will, um, he relies on his will to stay alive, so you just have to be careful with that. Um, and the final one, the Dark Lord returns. The Necromancer of Dolgador increases his attacks characteristic to the two when part of this legendary legion. I wish they made that three. That's my personal opinion. I think if he had three, be much more likely to throw him into combat and then kind of get away with that. But I, I think they should have made it three. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Legion? I'll go to you first, Matt. I think three would have made him unstoppable. Um, except maybe by the Vanquishers of the Necromancer Legendary Legion. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't thought through this just because this, pro- this probably is the list that has the fewest changes to it to just, you know, kind of taking it normally. I mean, basically yeah, what, you get, what you get out of this list is he gets to cast an extra spell a turn and he gets an extra attack um, and resistant to magic and resistant to magic. Right. Um, uh, which I think will improve. I mean, they will improve the list a bit, but I mean, the problem, the problem that this loadout had was not, you know, kind of killing heroes and not necessarily against magic because these guys always came back, but was against just, you know, kind of the swarms of opponents that would just kind of uh, kind of take this down, this list down um, with sheer numbers. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure any of these changes change that about the list. Um, that, you know, a bunch of dwarves are still going to, you know, kind of give this list the same types of fits as they did before. Um but I don't know. Evan, what's what's your thought on this? Um, so I think increasing the Necromancer's attacks to two, while it does seem like a good change because obviously having one attack on your leader is bad, I don't think it will change his play style overly much um, because what he really wants to be doing is using one dice every single turn to cast two magical powers and then being able to re-roll it. And he just does that every single turn without fail. Um, he has 25 will, so you don't want him losing will in combat. Um, so you're only going to charge him into combat when you transfix or compel a hero and you know you're going to be able to kill it. Um, well, really, he- I think the, the powerful rule here is the ability to cast two magical powers because you can sort of shut down those heroes that uh, that are able to take down the ring rates better. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's a lot of changes um, to this uh, list compared to the Legendary Legion, but it's nice to have it. Well, so you'd still have to use two will to cast two spells because 
says you can cast two magical powers rather than one. Yeah. So you're essentially using two will a turn if you want to cast two magical powers. Even though it's great to do that, you're you know you're going down two a turn, and if you did get into combat, you're down three in one turn. So do you think they maybe should have made it a free will, or do you think that's too much? Well, I mean, he's already he already gets a free will from the others. Well, I'm saying like yes, gets gets a lot of free wills. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I, I just I worry with him because obviously that he has the the what is if you if you do eight hundred is it all nine of them plus him then the keeper is or is the no, keeper it, with the, the nine plus him and the keeper is a thousand that's a thousand okay so yeah. you'd get at eight hundred which is very common at least for us you would get uh, drop the keeper uh, Kamul and another wraith I assume the so seven wraiths plus him. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you could also play a game where you drop you drop down to six race, and I think you can get two Castellans. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole value behind the list is that all of your necromancer shields never go away, and Castellans, while being moderately tanky, sort of give you give their give a weakness to the army give something that the opponent can exploit and kill um so i was reading two of them's not gonna do i mean it's not like you're gonna break the army if you kill two castellans and by the way killing castellans is not easy Uh, well i mean any big hero can eliminate them fairly quickly but i i understand what you're saying um, I think it's just a mistake to take non-ring wraiths in this list just because of the way it plays. And as someone who has used this list before, though it was in the previous edition, uh, whenever you took the keeper, he would immediately die every single game. Um, and I think the Castellans would survive for longer, but they would die and then you'd be even more strained um, with your remaining wraiths to be able to protect the necromancer. Cause this list is all about protecting the necromancer. And if you can't protect the necromancer and he dies, then your wraiths start dying. So I think you want to just max out on ring wraiths and leave the keeper of the dungeons at home and only run Castellan's, once you've ran out of Nazgul of Dogledur to take, or I, I guess, maybe replace Kamul because he sucks. I guess the advantage of the Castellans is that they can act as shields for the Necromancer in a way that they can't be kind of easily heroic combated through. Because that was that's the problem with using the wraiths to shield the Necromancer is a a hero can can come into you know, so, one of these wraiths. So I think an interesting thing with that is the wraiths have heroic strike due to the FAQs. Mm-hmm. So what they can do is if a hero wants to call a heroic combat against them, they can strike up and say, you might just be wasting this might. And while what it is true that their might is valuable um, to be able to survive... As long as your opponent doesn't have Elven Blades, you only need one might point, really, to be able to keep yourself alive. Well, I mean, the way, the way you do it, right, is you send two heroes into one of the ring wraiths. One hero combats, the other strikes up. 
it's the one that strikes up is the one that's going to go into the necromancer at least as, as long as he can get like to strike eight um and uh and you know i think that's that's how you kind of blow through one of these raids because you know you've only got you've only got a limited number of them so you have to kind of be putting them in positions where two guys can get on one wraith um and i mean that is one of the i mean i'm not saying you should definitely do this but it's something to consider is having two castellans who just walk around next to the necromancer and then you know you, you put them less than a base width apart so you know you could still probably wrap one guy around in the necromancer but at least those two guys you know if somebody goes into them they are not going to get i mean until they until it's later on in the game when they've blown a bunch of their will away you know those guys are not going to get heroic combated through um because even if you go so, into them and do three wounds they can take three wounds remember castellans are defense six now they're not defense seven so if you have strength four and plus one to wound with a hero you can easily do four wounds to them and remember that whole strategy of charging two heroes in and calling that combat yeah you can do that especially seeing as one, you're losing will points for being in combat. And two, remember those will points do not equate to wounds. Sometimes you can just botch a whole bunch of fate rolls and just die instantly. I've had that happen a lot with my Castellans when I use them, which to be fair is rare. But I've had them just get charged, heroic combated off of, and then killed. But you get, but you get two of them for the price of one Wraith. So That's true. I have also lost two Castellans in one turn to heroes, and that's just you know 80, 90 points down the drain for absolutely nothing. Were they, were they full will at the time? Uh, I, they were pretty close. Hmm. All right, um, well, I, I, I think wonder. it's just... I, I'm not saying don't take the Castellans, because I think they do have a place, but seriously consider just taking all of the ring rates instead. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you should, you should not do that if you have the points. But you know, it, I don't know. I think the, I think the castellans are an option here that you should think about of taking two castellans. I mean, especially if you're at a points value of this, where if you just take wraiths, you're going to have points left over. Mm -hmm. um, you may want to think about um, taking some castellans, perhaps with Morgul blades, in place of that, just to make up that those extra points. Well, you know, there are a few points levels where that happens. I just did the math, and, and I'm not saying you do this, but it is an interesting thing to think about, which is if you did an 800-point list with this and you took the Necromancer, you could get 13 Castellans compared to seven I've, ring rates. I've played this sort of list before. It's not great. No? I've, I've actually used a list with the Necromancer and just a bunch of Castellans, and it the whole point of the ring rates is that they grind. Castellans cannot grind just by the fact that they're they run out of will points in a sustained battle. Um, especially, and there's there's no way they can deal with heroes because another great thing about the wraiths is that if a hero tries to take advantage of them by trying to get a heroic combat off to kill a whole bunch of them. They can strike up and really threaten that hero. Castellans have no might. They have no way to deal with that. So I think it's possible to take mass Castellans. Um, I just don't think it's the most effective. 
I just thought about that because it was like you get almost double the amount of models at that point, and they still have, in theory, 12 turns of combat if nothing went wrong for them. So let's assume things do go wrong for them. They probably have six or seven turns, and you have 13 of them. So just a thought. But yeah. anyway. Um, I, I, I also have tried this, by the way, with, with similar results, which is that if your entire army is cast lens, you'll be amazed at how quickly um, they will burn through their will. I mean, I think the way to use cast lens is just to have have a couple of them and you use them as like, all right. So if this is, if this is a guy that I need to go in and make sure that gets tanked for a couple turns, that's what you send the cast lens into. And they just, you know, basically you know, stop that guy in the tracks there. You know what they're great for is they're great for just checking captains. Um, you can put a cast lens into like somebody else's captain and um, know that that captain is going to be tied up for, I mean, you can put oh, a Castellan into somebody's captain and uh, be pretty dang sure that that Castellan can kill that captain. Yeah. Because, I mean, fight five, strength five, unless you've got like an elf captain or something, even if you've got an elf captain, uh, the Castellans are going to be doing a ton of damage, especially if they have a Morgul blade, um, which can cut through those two wounds. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Um, as always, leave any lists you have for further episodes and any ideas you'd like for us to discuss in the future as well. As always, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and then check out our Facebook group if you're interested there. We kind of post a couple our videos and then maybe some new stuff that's coming out for us as well. Uh, but everyone have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Happy Halloween. <laughs>